Well, good morning for those of you who don't know me very well. My name's Kara. I am married to the handsome fella that just was up here, and you never know what's going to come out of his mouth, but I love him. <laughs> um, I am an associate pastor here over Kids and Family Ministries, and um, this morning I have, oh man, my amazing team back there has just been owning it um, so that I can be up here with you guys this morning. And I actually made it into worship, which doesn't always happen. I do my best every Sunday to try and join you guys at least for the message. And uh, this morning it was really just, I loved being able to worship with you guys, just being up here. Um, It doesn't happen very often, but I just want to thank all my volunteers because even if you're not in there this morning, I could not do it without you. We could not do it without you. Reaching heritage kids and their families and loving them week to week. And uh, the kids, uh, there is no junior Holy Spirit, so the kids experience Holy Spirit right along with you guys, um, just in their own separate area. And um, I'm also just grateful for the staff here. Um, I love you guys. I love you, Browns. We're, we're holding the fort down while everybody else is, is gone this weekend. <laughs> um, but, but this morning, oh, man, I, I have been chewing on this message about remaining steadfast for a couple weeks when Jeremy, after Jeremy and I hashed out who was going to be up here. Um, and the interesting thing about it is, you know, when, when you're prepping, the message just kind of becomes a part of you, and every little thing, you're like applying it to, to your message in a sense. And this week, I have a funny story. <laughs> so we are doing repairs on our home, and there's, there's a place outside that we have to paint, like the upper eave part outside. And we have two stories, so it's, it's quite tall. Um, you know, we were borrowing a ladder. We had all the supplies ready to go. Jeremy assured me that, that he was going to get up there and do it. And we tested it out one day, not this week. We tested it out one day. I think it was the week before. And he climbs up there and he's like, uh, nope. And I'm like, wait a minute. Are you telling me we could have already like started to get on hiring somebody? I'm like, fine, I'll get up there. But then it started to rain. And, um, and then I, and then I got sick, so I've also been battling illness all week long, um, and missed Sunday, actually, for the first time in quite a while for being sick, um, which was a total bummer, because it's not like me at all. Um, and so finally, we had sun on Thursday, and we had it strategically planned to go over to the house and paint. So we have this plan set in our minds, and we go to set up, and I start to climb up the ladder, and I'm like, oh, I'm coming back down. I'm coming back down. Okay, I just need a minute. And we figured out, I was like, there's no way I can carry up paint and all the supplies. Okay, we've got to put it in a bucket, and I'll put the rope in my pocket, And I can do this. I am remaining steadfast to paint this house. This is what was going through my head. Because by this time, the message has already become a part 
of, of me. And I get halfway up there, and I close my eyes, and I'm like, okay, I can't look around because it's starting to get dizzy because I was sick. I was already sick, and my equilibrium was off. And I'm like, Carrie, you can do this. I was like, you have the Holy Spirit. He can help you paint this house. So each step I took, I was taking a deep breath because, you know, I like to watch, uh, you know, uh, TV shows where people are having to do challenges, and I'm screaming at the television, just breathe, you can make it up. And I'm thinking, just breathe, you can make it up. I had no idea I was so afraid to climb a ladder to get up on the roof. I learned something completely new about myself this week. Like, I'm a person that wants to go skydiving. Why can I not climb this ladder to get up on the roof of my house? So finally, I make it up there, and the world, I sit down and lean up against the house and the world starts to spin and I'm and and Jeremy goes how you doing up there I'm like having a wild panic attack I'll be okay and I'm all the while I'm like thinking okay this is ridiculous but I still was convincing myself okay it's gonna be all right as long as I get my footing the only problem was I was wearing sneakers without treading on the bottom of them and there's a pretty steep climb I could not get my footing so I kept on slipping which freaked me out even more so I just decided to lean back and enjoy the view for a while and then it hit me I need help I need I need help and so even after getting the bucket up there, I was like, okay, God, you, ha- you have to have a solution for me. I'm already up here. I made all this effort. It took me so much breath, so much energy. I- I've, I've got to be able to figure this out. But sometimes in life, we're just not able to do it ourselves. And we truly, truly need to call on someone to help us. And that's what we did. <laughs> in regards to painting our house, we have an appointment now. It's going to be taken care of. I do not have to go back up there and have thoughts of how I'm going to catch myself or land if I fall because I'm not going to be another person like Commander Ray who falls off a roof, breaks their back, you know. And But he, he had a miraculous recovery, though. He was back volunteering that, that following week. So, anyways. So... Remaining steadfast. I was trying to do a Google search, and Google told me that it's someone who is firm and determined in a belief or a position. And do you want to know what example they gave me? Like your mom when she thinks you really shouldn't wear that outfit. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, obviously we don't rely on Google. But I thought it was funny when you do a Google um, search for that. But here are some of the things that I was thinking and, and saw in my research this week was immovable. You know what you believe, and you cannot be tossed back and forth by storms of life or blown here and there by every teaching. To remain steadfast, You know the word of God. 
and we must have the mind of Christ. The only way that we can have the mind of Christ is if you know the word of God. That means you're going to be spending time in the word. You're going to be spending time listening to the God. You're not just going to be pouring out your problems all the time, whining, complaining, or poor me, whatever, or, you know. We, we, we must make our relationship with the Lord a priority. And my question was always, even for myself, was can you withstand the darkest and hardest of circumstances and still remain faithful to God? Because when you, when you remain steadfast, you remain faithful. You are immovable. There's nothing that's going to change your course. And in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, it says, Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the works of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So no matter what your circumstances look like, you know that it's worth it. And you have the hope that Christ has given you to know that you're going to receive your crown of glory in heaven, that you're going to spend eternity with him. And then in James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So I want to focus on Daniel this morning. Because Daniel provides us a really good example of, of kind of like heaven on earth. We see Daniel, he remained faithful to the Lord and... Um, if you go to, we're going to be in chapter 6 of Daniel if you want to go there, if you have your Bible or Bible app. But I'm going to give you like a brief history because we see that Daniel and his friends in the beginning of the book, they were taken into the Babylonian exile. Okay, so they were removed from their home and forced to go to a different place. And he and his friends, they remain faithful by not eating the king's food. And then we get to see something miraculous happen. He and his friends looked and fared much better than everybody else who ate the king's food. So heaven on earth, right there. Okay, and then we see that King Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 2 has a dream Daniel interprets it, and then he gets promoted. Heaven on earth. Boom. Okay? And then chapter 3, we see that an idol was made. Um, Daniel's friends go into the fiery furnace. They're not harmed. Heaven on earth. I feel like I'm just going to keep hearing, like, boom. Anyways. Um, And then king has a second dream. We see the fall and rise of the king. And... By chapter 5, there's handwriting on the wall, which is interpreted. And this, this is a different king. Okay, so I'm just kind of fast forward. This is going to be really quick. 
we see King Belshazzar, who is King Nebuchadnezzar's son. Or we're just going to call him King Neb because it's easier. Um, but then that king, King Belshazzar, gets killed. And then comes King Darius, which brings us to chapter 6. The lion's den is what we're going to focus on primarily, but I felt like we needed to do a brief history of that so you could kind of see how Daniel's life was not easy at all by any means. They faced persecution every day. They were slaves. So no warm, cozy home. No, no freedom of choice. Yet we see... Because Daniel remained faithful, he remained steadfast, we see he was promoted. And David, we know from Scripture that he was very wise. I mean, not David, Daniel. Anyways, and he was a man of incredible, honorable character. So much so, it says in verse 3 of chapter 6, then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. He's a slave, taken from his home, and because he remained steadfast, he was going to be placed in charge of the entire kingdom, like over it all. And then we see as we move on to verse 4 and 5, what's amazing about Daniel's adversaries, because there was, there was always something kind of out to, to get Daniel and his friends. So we see that. And the amazing thing was that they ended up stopping attacking Daniel's character because Daniel was that honorable. He had impeccable character, which pretty much silenced any attempt by anybody. <laughs> and so instead of attacking his character, they started attacking his God. And here we see how one's faithfulness and impeccable character can earn you some enemies. And we can see what a great compliment that can be. Now we're on to the trap in verse 6 and 7. Verse 6 and 7 says that <clears throat> the enemies came to an agreement. The high officials and satraps to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are, are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. 
Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. So they had kind of like almost double backup plans. They're like, no, you're going to like double stamp this to make sure that you can't reverse this. <clears throat> and so here it's possible that Darius agreed to this new law more from like a political standpoint rather than a religious one. We can see it as a religious one because we, we see like the whole plot already laid out. Because we know that Daniel's enemies are coming to attack his God, okay? And Darius probably just did it in an attempt to unite the people at that time. He followed some, maybe some not so wise advice because obviously Daniel was much wiser. We can, t we can see that. Um, and, and it also identified himself as the sole mediator between the people and the gods, which is why we see Daniel not being able to comply with this. And so we see Daniel remain steadfast because in verse 10, it says, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. So let's just stop right there for a moment. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house to go and pray. Because he got down on his knees three times a day, and then he prayed and gave thanks before his God as he, as he had always done. He didn't even delay. He knew it was signed, but he did not even delay. He didn't doubt. We, it doesn't say here, well, that he took his time thinking about what he should do. No, it says that he went to his room and he, he prayed in front of his window where people could see him. He didn't decide to hide his prayer. Like, I mean, it would make some sense to us, right? If we knew that this was made a law and we knew that we were going to be put to death for it, that maybe we might hide in our prayer closet so that no one would see us disobeying this law. But Daniel didn't do that. He went back to his room and prayed in the open window like normal. He remained steadfast. He remained faithful. He did not let even a law change and dictate his obedience and faithfulness to the Lord. And then we see that the men found him, obviously. Do you think that was a surprise to Daniel? Obviously, okay, the men found him. And they came near and said before the king, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you shall be cast into, into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. So the enemies trick the king into restating what he just signed. And so they answered back, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you. 
or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. Because remember, he was the one that made the choice to, to make Daniel head over the entire kingdom. And so it says here, he labored till the sun went down to, to rescue him. And then these main men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. This leads us to believe that the reason why they, they kept repeating that as well as kind of put a double stamp on it, like you can't revoke it, was because they saw the favor that Daniel had. Okay? And so they already knew they couldn't attack his character, which is why they were trying to trap him this way. And then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lord's, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. It's easy to perceive the lion's den very negatively and all the happenings leading up to it. If I were to place myself in Daniel's position, I would like to think that I would, I would respond the same way as him. All the years leading up, he'd, he'd already been helping serve three kings by this time. Much persecution away from home. Um, I would imagine that I'd probably be crying a lot. You know, I would probably cry myself to sleep like, God, like, why? You know, like, we kind of get into this mode of like, why, God? Why, God, haven't, haven't I suffered enough? I've been faithful. You know, like, we kind of get into that mode. And so um, I was thinking, you know, immediately we can think, okay, the lion's den is like the worst thing ever. But then we say, we see here in verse 19 that at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? All of history is waiting for this moment. They're looking. Even the enemies are paying attention to this. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because 
he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their own children, their wives, their whole family, into the den of lions. And before they even reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. So it's easy to perceive a lion's den very negatively. But let's go back. Let's survey this for a moment. <clears throat> we see that his accusers did not have the same protection that Daniel had. We see that the lions are obviously under the reign and authority of the Lord by the angel. Their mouths were shut. So I would like to imagine that somewhere in there, Daniel's just becoming buddies with these lions. You know, like, hey, good boy. You know, patting them on the back, rubbing their mane. Okay? And, but here's the deal. When we look at the reality of this situation, more than likely those lions were hungry. It's possible that even though their mouths were shut, you could have seen saliva starting to drip down their mouth. It's quite possible. And then we also see, let's go back to verse 18, and let's look at the king. It says, then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. The king, in his royal chamber, with his had servants, right? He, he has everything that you could possibly ever want and ever need. He probably had the nicest cushiest bed. He probably had the most luxurious blankets. He probably even could have had someone playing the harp to help him go to sleep, for all we know, right? And we see here that Daniel probably fared better than the king did that night. That's heaven on earth. When you're in the den with the lions and, and you have a better night than the king. He lacked nothing. Daniel lacked nothing, even though he was in that den with the lions. And we see Daniel... He trusted God. He remained steadfast. It says in verse 23 that when he was taken up out of the den, no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Because he had trusted in his God in that den with the lions. And we see Daniel delivered. And his enemies did not fare so well. 
mercy was not extended to his accusers, not even to their families. His enemies doomed their families by making this accusation. Because at, at that time, there was a common principle that any, anyone who made like a false accusation should receive the same punishment or fate that they had sought for that person that they accused. And their whole entire family suffered for it. And, and the, the most amazing thing to me, when you think of this picture, right? King doesn't sleep. Daniel fares better that night. He's not harmed. There's no scratch. Um, the lions kept their mouths shut the, the whole entire night. And then immediately, as they are lowering down the accusers and their families, they don't even make it to the ground. They don't even make it to the ground before all of their bones are broken to pieces because the lions were, had the empowered over them. Because they were hungry. They were hungry before then, but we see the difference between God's kingdom and the kingdom of darkness. We see how God's kingdom has complete dominion over the kingdom of darkness. Okay? And the other most powerful thing that we get to see through all this that the king declares that all should tremble and fear the God of Daniel after this. In verse 25, it says, Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Without Daniel's enemies, without Daniel remaining steadfast, the king and the kingdom would not have heard, nor they would have seen God given highest honor and glory. Because of this, Daniel was a threat to the powers of darkness. They probably knew it, maybe even before Daniel did. Because a lot of times our stories, we, we don't recognize our worth. We don't recognize the power and authority that has been given to us oftentimes. Oftentimes, we're like I was climbing up that ladder, getting up to my roof. Okay? And because he was a threat, we see, we see the power of darkness being demolished because he remained steadfast. His steadfastness to never succumb to peer pressure or give in during persecution and live faithful to God revealed the one and only God. His actions led to God's glory to be seen by a pagan king 
and kingdom. His steadfastness showed others that God is a God who provides and protects even amidst impossible, even amidst impossible odds and circumstances. So to you, I say, remain steadfast. No matter what you are facing, remain steadfast. Because we see, not only in this example with Daniel, but all throughout the whole entire Bible, that God's promises will be kept in the face of all evil opposition. We see that promise-keeping is what God is all about. Promise-keeping is what history is about, because God is the God over all creation. He destroys the dominion of darkness in your life if you allow him. A lot of times we allow the darkness to have more control and more power than we should. We unravel those mouths on those lions. But we see God is sovereign. He's sovereign over those who rebel against and seek to destroy his people. You do not have to give in to the darkness. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You could be, you, right now, you could be feeling like you're going through hell. You, you could. It could be the worst time of your life. It could be the darkest time of your life. But you don't have to give in to the darkness. In, in fact, I implore you not to. I say, hold on. I was like, climbing up that ladder, you hold on and you call for help. You call on the name of Jesus because he is victorious. He has given you the victory and you do not have to give in. And this is key. Not just in Daniel, but in your life. God has a precise timetable. And he will deliver you. Let me say that again. God has a precise timetable. And he will deliver you. You do not have to give in to the darkness. You do not have to believe the lies. Because he is the living God enduring forever his kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end to the end he delivers and rescues he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth and i want you verse 27 i want you to insert yourself here he who has saved you from the power of the lion, from that lion's den. Can I have you come on? So I'm just wondering, I don't know what you face. I don't know what you're contending for. I don't know what your family has been through. But I know, for me, I have to remember all these truths. 
And sometimes remaining steadfast is simply acknowledging, God, I need you. I cannot do this. And in some sense, it could be like, I can't do this anymore. I don't know how. I don't see the way out. I feel like the darkness is pressing in. Or I feel like too much time has gone by for this ever to take place. I mean, it could be years and years. It could be decades that maybe you have been waiting for something to happen. But God is faithful. It doesn't matter how much time something takes. Because God is faithful. He is faithful. And because he is faithful, we get to just stand in that promise. And every day of our lives, whether we feel like we're in that lion's den or being accused from left to right, we get to stand in that promise in the hope that God has given us. We can remain steadfast. You don't have to be at your strongest moment to remain steadfast. You could be tired if you, if you are. That doesn't mean that you aren't doing a good job remaining steadfast. You can rest in his arms because he is taking care of it for you. He knew before Daniel even knew that he was going to go into that den of lions. God had a plan already set in motion for Daniel to not be harmed through something that was supposed to kill him. So I'm just wondering if some of you there are some things where you're just like, you know what, like, I might not be in the, that lion's den, or my life might not be threatened, but man, this is really hard, and my heart just can't bear it anymore. And so I want to take a moment, the remaining time that we have, um, to just focus on those things that we're contending for focus on those things that like almost every day our heart cries out God will you deliver me God will you bring my child home God will you save my family or maybe it's God save me because I, I don't there's so much dark thoughts that I think I need you to save me whatever it is I want you to focus on that. And maybe it's a whole list. It could be a whole list. And we're going to bring it before the Lord again. Because he will deliver you. You will see his faithfulness. So I'm going to ask some of if my prayer, if the prayer team could come on up again. And if you are for anything and you want someone to partner with you 
and pray over um, anything. Because if you think of those things that you're contending for, and if not, you can stay seated where you're at. But I really want to encourage you. A lot of times, especially as Americans, we, we, we tend to kind of fold into ourselves. Um, especially if we're waiting for something to, to happen and it hasn't happened in a while. So I'm going to ask you to come forward and we're going to partner with you. We're going to agree that, that victory is near for you because God has already won your victory. We're going to ask for God's timing to take place. And if you need to be like, God, oh, help hurry this up. We can, we can believe that with you, but also we're going to believe that God's going to give you the strength that you're going to fare much better than the, even the king did. Okay? And that heaven, you're going to see heaven on earth in your life. All right? So if that's you and you want to come down, I'm going to encourage you, please come down. And then those of you, just you can stay praying or you can get up and go get more coffee. I'm just going to ask you to do it quietly. So for those that want to remain praying for a little while, that they will be able to do that. All right, let me pray real quick, and then you can come forward. Lord, oh, we're just so grateful for your faithfulness. We, we're so thankful that you, that you have made a way for our victory, whatever that looks like, that you, that you have like strategically placed us to display your glory. Help us remain steadfast. Help us not waver. Help us, Lord, in our greatest time of need. Help us be faithful back to you. And I pray that that lies right now would just fall to the ground and that we stomp on those lies from the enemy. We rebuke the enemy's lies this morning. And we declare your victory and your breakthrough in this place. And as they leave, they take it home with them. And they take it to their workplace. And they take it wherever they go. And Lord, we just ask for, for you to just come and fill all the places that ache and hurt and that are dark. And fill it with your light. We are so grateful to you, Lord. And we love you. Thank you for the victorious stories we're going to hear and the miracles that we're going to hear this year from this church. Every person in this church is going to have miraculous things take place. Prayers answered that have taken forever, it seems, are going to be fulfilled in this place this year. We thank you and we give you all the praise and all the glory. Amen.